You know, as a priest, and even as a married couple, I think that you have a lot of firsts. You know, like, as a married couple, you have your first Christmas together. You have your first Thanksgiving. You have your first child. As a priest, you know, I had my first Mass. I had my first confession. I had my first anointing, my first burial. And it goes on and on. But as you get older and older, for both priests and married couples, there's just... Fewer and fewer of these firsts. You've kind of experienced everything together, or as a priest, I've experienced anything. Well, anyway, I had a new first yesterday. It was the first time that I celebrated a wedding in a city that was colder than Antarctica. That is no joke. I checked the temperature. The wedding was at 1.30. At 1.30, it was negative 23 here, and it was negative 20 at the South Pole. Why do we live here? My gosh, that is unbelievable. But anyway, on to the homily. Uh, John the Apostle today in the, first, uh, in the gospel, he kind of breaks down his conversion story. And this, this story has a, a very like, special place in my heart because it's the same thing that Jesus used to convert me, to like really convert me is this story of John and Andrew encountering Jesus for the first time. And, you know, I've told my vocation story a lot of times. Like, so many times that I got sick of telling it. And so I made a YouTube video of it. And, you know, people are like, hey, I heard you have a great conversion story. And I'm like, yeah, it's on YouTube. Just type in Father Josh Waltz and you can watch it. So I don't have to tell it anymore. The reason I bring that up is because I think that Can you imagine how many times John told this story? If this is, if you think about it, you guys, this is literally the the recounting of the beginning of a meeting that would be the beginning of a church, which would be the beginning of a movement, which would change the world. At the end of John's life, and he's the only one alive, right? All the other ones were killed. John's an old man on the island of Patmos. He must have been like a celebrity at this time. And that's probably why he wrote it down. Because he realized that moment was so significant that it changed everything. But here's the thing, you guys. John wasn't just lucky to encounter Jesus. You know, he was seeking something before Jesus that put him in a place to meet him. Remember, John is a fisherman with his brother James, right? And they have a business with Andrew, whose brother is Peter. And it's kind of funny because John and Andrew aren't fishing. And I don't know if you know this, but Galilee and where John the Baptist is baptizing is like, it's a long ways away, like a two-day journey. So presumably, while John and Andrew are off gallivanting around the Jordan River, Andrew or Peter and James are running the fishing business. And you've got to even think when they, when they leave, because who are they going to encounter? They're not going to encounter Jesus. They're going to encounter John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a weird guy, right? Again, in The Chosen, if you watch it, they call him Creepy John, right? The guy is out in the desert eating locusts and honey, shouting at people about their brood of vipers. They're all going to hell unless they repent, wearing camel hair and a belt. The guy's nuts. Like when... When, when, John, when John and Andrew go to leave, Peter and James have got to have been like, you're going where? 
You're going to do what? You're going to encounter who? And yet John is the touch point for Jesus. The only reason that John and Andrew encounter Jesus is because they first sought out John the Baptist. If they never would have gone to see John, they never would have found Jesus. The only reason that I encountered Jesus, I truly believe this, is for the same reason. I went out of my way to find him, to find something more. When I was in college, I was pretty lost. You know, I was not in the best place. I was in, not in the best place mentally. I wasn't in the best place spiritually, emotionally. I was, however, in great physical shape. Now that has all flipped, right? <laughs> I'm in a good place in the other areas, and I'm kind of, I'm approaching obesity. <clears throat> but I remember this point of, I was laying in my bed in my room in this house that I was renting with a couple other guys, and I was just laying there, and I'm like, there's got to be more. And, I'm, and I'm, I was looking for the more in all the wrong places, and I'm like, I just was left empty. And that's what's so sad, because I had everything going for me. Everything. And I was miserable. And I think that all of us have this desire for more. The question is, where are you going to get the more? For me, I don't know. For some reason, I decided to get up and go to confession. <clears throat> Maybe because my mom drilled that into me. I don't know. And after I went to confession, the priest at the confession told me I should go to Mass every day for Lent. And so I did. And after going to Mass every day, I realized that after Mass, they had adoration. And so I started to stay a little bit for adoration. And then I started to realize that I had a peace inside of me that was different. The more was slowly being fulfilled in me. I started to realize that the more was right there. And then came the night that changed everything. Just like John. I don't know if you caught this. This, this moment for John was so significant, you guys. He put a time stamp on it. Did anybody catch that? He told us the exact time it happened. Are any of you paying attention? Raise your hand if you remember it. Four in the afternoon. Me, it was about 1 a.m. I was out with my friends. We were out at a party at college at NDSU. And I had been going to Mass for 40 days. And Eucharistic adoration. And I was at this party and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. This isn't filling me. It's ruining me. And I'm walking home because my buddies wouldn't give me a ride. And as I walked, I walked past the Newman Center. And maybe I've told you this before, but it's worth repeating. And as I walked past the Newman Center, I hear this voice that says, go inside. And it's 1 a.m. I'm like, the Newman Center's closed. There's no way. And so I just keep walking. Again, go inside. And this is not an interior voice. This is an outerior. Outerior? Is that even a word? Outerior? External voice. And I hear it again, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm no, this is dumb. I'm now I think I'm hearing things, I'm going crazy. Then the third time, go inside. I always say that God speaks in threes, he's a trinity. And so the first, the first time he speaks, it's a gentle nudge, that's the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus is like, come on, man, you probably want to do this. And then the Father steps in and is like, now, 
And you're like, okay. <clears throat> and sure enough, the door's open. And I walk in, I walk down the aisle, and the only light that is on in the entire church is on the tabernacle. And as I walk down, all I heard interior, I just had this sense of like, pick up and read something. Like, there's going to be something for me to read. Pick, it, pick up and read. And as I walked, I'm like, read what? And I turn, and on the pew is a Bible laying open. It's like I was set up. I was set up. And I pick up that Bible and I read it. And the verse that I read is Jesus turned to them and said, What are you looking for? And you guys, in that moment, I saw him. And he just looked at me and he said, What do you want? What are you looking for? And I'm like, I don't know. But I'm starting to think it's you. And the next line it says, and Jesus said, come and see. Come and see. Give me a shot. Come and see what it's like to live for me. And I wept and wept and wept and wept for I don't know how long. I didn't get home till four in the morning, I know that. But that night, everything in my life changed. Now here's the thing, I didn't experience that moment because I was lucky. I got to experience that moment because leading up to that moment, I was putting myself in a position for something like that to happen. But not everybody does this. Listen, Jesus didn't do this 2,000 years ago for John and Andrew. He's standing right here, right now, walking up and down these aisles, looking at all of you and saying, what do you want? What are you looking for? And you have three answers as far as I can see. It's either him, yourself, or the world. I recently heard a story from a priest that I know. He was telling a story about a man named Adolf Merkel. I don't know if you remember this. This was in 2009, so it's a while ago. <clears throat> but Adolf Merkel was an extremely wealthy German businessman. He owned a pharmaceutical company. At one point, he was considered in the top 100 most wealthy people in America. Or I mean in the world, I'm sorry. He was worth, at the height, $12 billion. Because of some bad investing and the economic downturn of 2008, he ended up losing $3 billion. Now keep in mind, this man still has $9 billion. I don't think there's anything in this world you can't do for $9 billion for the rest of your life. Nothing is off limits. You can own as much as you want, buy as much as you want, have as much as you want. And yet this man, who is worth $9 billion, threw himself in front of a train and took his own life. Obviously, the wealth is not where the more is. Amen, brother. Why do kids figure this stuff out so much quicker than you all do? And me. They just know. That was awesome. <clears throat> and so I think today the question is simply this, you guys. Why are you here? What are you looking for? What do you want? Why are you in this church? 
Are you looking for anything? Did you come with the intention that God's going to do something big for you? He's going to ask something more for you to draw you deeper. Or are you here out of obligation? Turn some, as they say, quote unquote, fire insurance. Are you here just to check off a box so you feel good the rest of the week? Or maybe, maybe you're here because you believe, like John the Apostle, that Jesus truly is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The one who definitively reveals who God is to us and who we are and how we are to live. He is the only one that can give a peace that the world cannot give and cannot take away. The only one who can lead us to the way of true happiness. The one who speaks the truth in his word, the scriptures, and feeds us daily from his altar. Bringing us into a communion and a relationship with the Father who is love and calls us to go forth from here to love. A world that is so cynical, so distrustful, so broken, and longing for reasons to hope. What are you looking for? What do you want? And maybe most importantly, where are you going to get it?